we're calling this week the fruit of the Spirit in everyday life and beginning in chapter 6. And uh, stole that from Blake White, the title there. And um, so let's just uh, let's jump right in there. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 1, if we might. Let's see there. Noah, would you read that uh, first verse for us there, if you would, please? Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Okie doke. So that we're going we're gonna to break this first paragraph down a little bit because there's a lot here. Uh, several things uh, stand out there. You notice he says, brothers... Uh, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual. So, in other words, not just elders or deacons or any elite group, but those who through love serve one another, right? We talked about that as being spiritual back in chapter 5, or those who walk by the Spirit. So this is not just an elite group. We don't have to run and go say... Daddy, Daddy, uh, need your help here, right? This is a, uh, this is, we want another here, okay? Something else that jumps out in this verse, he says to do it in the what? Spirit of gentleness. So that is the fruit of the Spirit, right? The Spirit of gentleness. Why would we do it in the Spirit of gentleness? Anybody? Well, a gentle answer turns away wrath. That's one reason. That's a good reason, right? It also goes into the next verse which talks about considering yourself. Considering yourself, that's right. Yeah. You don't want to just point the finger, like get that, uh, get that uh, a little thing out of your eye while I ignore this beam in my eye, right? Yeah. It's not like you have all the answers anyway, right? Third thing that jumps out is the phrase, what? Caught in any transgression. So it doesn't pertain to a preference, but it pertains to a sin, right? Right? I'm reminded of a story uh, at least well over 10 years ago when I was was a senior pastor. So I hope you'll uh, take note of that. That meaningless title. Um, uh, it was a Sunday evening. We had a very traditional church, and uh, our kids came to, many of the kids came to school there all week long. Many of them then worked on bus routes, visiting those bus routes and so forth on Saturday. Maybe had a youth uh, activity on Saturday, so they were there on Saturday. That's six days. And then they were there on Sunday. They had their Sunday school classes on Sunday morning. They were at the service on Sunday morning. Then they would uh, they would also help pick up the kids on some bus routes on Sunday morning. They helped take those kids back to uh, home on Sunday afternoon. We had Sunday afternoon bus routes many of them worked on. And so they were there all day, seven days a week. And they would, get, they would be there early for the Sunday night service because of that. No time to go home. They would pick up food on the bus on the way, ho- on the way back to the service on Sunday night. And they'd be sitting in the auditorium for a little while before the service on Sunday night. So they were there seven days a week. And, and there were some girls sitting in the auditorium. And I remember coming in on a Sunday night and a, an, an older lady came up to me and she said, I need to speak to you, Pastor. And I said, well, okay. And uh, she said, uh, 
I, I, I need to tell you something. And I said, all right. She said, there are some young ladies over there playing cards in the sanctuary. And uh, I said, okay, well, I will take care of that. And of course, the point of the matter was that she was not worried about a sin. She was worried about a preference, wasn't she? And so she failed on a couple of points there. One, of course, was gentleness. And, uh, and uh, the other was a preference. And so we have to be very careful here. And, and I do notice this. I notice as you grow in the Lord, your preferences tend to get smaller and smaller and smaller. And sin really gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, as Gerald and I were talking this week at lunch, we were talking about the fact that, you know, Paul called himself chief of sinners. And if you read a number of commentaries, you talk about Paul uh, refers to himself as that because of all the persecuting of the churches and so forth. But, you know, there's another way of looking at that. As Paul grew more and more, you know, the closer you get to the light, the more you see your own faults rather than the faults of others. And so maybe it was because of Paul seeing the awful things that he did uh, before he came to Christ. But maybe it's also key to the idea or key to the idea is that the closer you get to the light, you do see yourself uh, as a sinner more so than you do look at the sins of others. Chris? Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. And it, as if you're in sin, uh, maybe you should go to someone who's spiritual. Absolutely. And it really and, and you know, you know, I was I was thinking about getting more into that. It really is a catch twenty two, right? Because if I am carnal, now there are some things that are blatant. Right. If you see me out in the parking lot smooching with a woman that ain't isn't my wife, you don't have to be very spiritual to figure that out. All right. But aside from things like that, if you're not spiritual, you're really not. You don't really have good eyes to figure out whether I'm doing something right or wrong in the first place. So it really is a catch 22 in a lot of areas to really even figure out whether someone's doing something right or wrong. And so it, but totally agreed with what you're saying there, Doug. Now, if we continue to think about what Paul is saying here, he's not all, he's not ignorant of what the Lord said in Matthew chapter 18, where we talk about church discipline. And this does go hand in hand with someone who did not set their computer uh, upright to not fall asleep in the middle of a lesson. (laughs) Sorry about that. So let's look at, if we might, at, uh, at Matthew chapter 18. And uh, let's see, uh, Dwayne, uh, would you read that for us? Matthew 18, I've got it up here for you if you want. Okay. Uh, Matthew 18 and verse number 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Yes. So there is a, there is a connection here it, uh, between Galatians 6.1 and Matthew 18.15. Not direct, because, because Paul does give us room in Galatians 6, 
six one to go speak to another person, right? If you're like, ah, I don't know what to do, then 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 someone else spiritual needs to handle it. But if it is a if it if it is a personal situation, he does say, look, uh, the directive is for you to go talk to them. So by reading these two directives, however, we want to make sure that it is done, if you might, spiritually. So if, if you will, if we combine the two, it needs to be done how? Well, first of all, it needs to be, we're to go to our brother in love, right? Without the pointer in the middle of the screen. And it is to be done in the spirit of what? Gentleness. It is to be done in love and the spirit of gentleness. The point I'm trying to make is that if we take Matthew chapter 18 and we look at it without considering Galatians 6.1, then we might not think we're supposed to do it in the spirit of gentleness is what I'm trying to arrive at, right? If your brother offends you, you go to him one-on-one, it says, and tell him his fault between you and him alone. In other words, I'm not supposed to go blab it around to a bunch of other people, right? I don't need to go blabbing around a bunch of other people. I should talk to him one on one. Okay. so, for example, uh, something happened a couple weeks ago. I was rushing through my 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 lesson and I asked someone to read a text. And uh, uh, well, I don't want to get in too much because maybe they don't want it brought up. And so um, anyway, I asked them to read it and they wanted to do it a little differently. And I was really trying to get through my lesson. I had it planned out in my head and so forth. And. Um, and it was, I thought it was no harm, no foul. But the moment I asked them to read it a certain way, I thought, you know what? I should just let them do it however they want to do it. But I asked them to do it a certain way, and they were thinking do it a different way. And as soon as, but as soon as I had them do it a certain way, I thought to myself, you know what, Chris? What would have hurt to let that person just do it however they wanted to do it? I mean, as soon as it happened. But then I went on and I forgot about it. The next week they came up to me and they were very sheepish. And they said, you know, um, I'm probably wrong about this. I get overly sensitive about things, but it really kind of hurt my feelings. And I said, you know what? As soon as it happened in the middle of the teaching lesson, I felt the exact same way. I was so focused on my plan rather than a person. I realized I made a mistake. And I am so very sorry. And then I said this to them, and, and of course they were like, I'm so glad you said that to me. Thank you. It makes me feel so much better, they said. And I said, you know, and I'm so glad you said that to me. They said, really? I said, yes, because I am studying Galatians chapter 6 this week, and you brought, and Matthew 18, and you brought that to me one on one. And that is exactly how the scripture says, handle it. And that means so much to me right now that you would that you would respect me that much to bring it to me rather than anybody else. And you and I could work this out just as the will of God says to work it out. And it honest to Pete meant the world to me that we could do that. And it meant the world to that person, too. And so I'm saying that to you, this giving you this illustration, because this is the way it works out between us, brothers and sisters. And it is a wonderful thing if you and I, you know, they, the world calls it conflict resolution, right? But it is a wonderful thing when we can take the Word of God and, use the, and, and, and apply the Word of God in our lives just the way God gives it to us. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen.
Okay, but let's take it just a step further because verse 16 is there also. Brother Greg, would you, would you be able to read that for us, verse 16? In other words, if it doesn't work out, if verse 15 doesn't work out... But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Okie doke. So, doesn't work out. The person you talk to... Okay, we'll take that illustration last week. If I were to say to that person, Look, Doc, I asked you to read the verse. I told you the way I wanted it read. I was teaching, not you. And you should have just read it like I asked. When you teach, we'll do it your way. Let's say I'd done that. And the person got their feelings hurt worse. What should they do? Should they go tell a bunch of people or get upset and get hurt? Well, they would have gotten hurt, obviously. What are they supposed to do? Well, the Bible tells them exactly what they should do. But what kind of person should they take with them? A spiritual person. That's right. So that's what they should do. They should take uh, a spiritual, loving... We should take spiritual, loving people with us. Right? Okay? Now, I'm going to tell you something. The way I was taught to do it back in my legalistic days. You go get a couple of your church mafia buddies with you. And that's the truth. That's the way we were taught. You go get some of your church mafia buddies with you and you go by their house and you say, look, this is this is the way we do things around here. And we don't want you causing any trouble. If we have to come back here, you won't be coming back to this place. All right. We don't want any trouble. We run a tight ship around here. Okay, but that's not the way God says to do it. You give this person another chance to repent. Okay. All right, now, look at the next part of the verse, or uh, I don't have it up here, but the last part of the verse says this. Keep watch, and someone brought this up already, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Lest you too be tempted. Now, what temptation, there are a number of temptations, but what temptation could Paul uh, be referencing? Well, in Chapter 5, verse 26, he says, let us not become conceited. Become conceited. All right. So you fell into a sin and I'm coming to help you with that sin. So my my conceit would be the fact that. I'm going to help you out. Yeah. I'm better than you. Yeah. Better than that. I'm more better than you. All right. So, Eric, can you see that far? Yes, sir. Would you read Matthew 7, 3 through 5 for us, sir? Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. All right, so the temptation here is being self-righteous or arrogant, okay? Uh, How could you do this? I mean, I've told, you've heard me preach on that subject. How could you do that? Or I've known better than that. How about with kids? I've told you your entire life not to do that. 
or I can't believe that you would do that. So that's the main temptation that Paul is pointing out here. There's obviously other temptations, but that's the main temptation that we would get conceited, that we would get high on the hog. I don't know how you get high on hogs, but you'd get high on the hog. You'd get puffed up in thinking that you are uh, you've got it figured out. All right. Any thoughts or questions about that particular point here uh, in respect to going to someone, being spiritual, you who are spiritual, going to that one and helping restore them? Yes, sir. One thing that uh, I've read is like the first temptation for any Christian or spiritual person is spiritual pride. Spiritual pride. Yeah. Amen. Yep. Yeah, that's the way to go, right? I've accomplished. I've arrived. Is that what we're getting at? Yes, sir. Those are some of the earliest words of Christ. Uh, that makes for a good filter for everything else we're learning to come out about that. I think if we were to start right there, a lot of those other things we wouldn't even have to deal with. Amen. Amen, amen, and amen. All right, let's go to verse number two there. All right, let me get another. How about Hunter? Would you read verse number two for us, sir? Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law. All right, let's take the first half there. Bear one another's burdens. How can we as a body bear one another's burdens? What are ways we can do that? Pray for one another. Well, you've got to get to know each other to know each other's burdens. That's true. Meet each other's needs. Give me, let's be a little more specific. We've got to meet the needs. Absolutely. What are some of those needs? Brother in Christ is out of groceries and out of work, and I can meet his need. I should go buy him groceries. I love that because whether, whether and I, I love this, this is one thing that b- began to draw me into house church, if you please, or New Testament church, if you will, and Lord's, the understanding of Lord's Supper. A rich man needs to eat. So if I'm out of groceries, you can help me with that. If I'm out, if I'm out of work, I'm going to need groceries. What are some other ways we can meet each other's needs? We said prayer, food, we'll add finances to that because that was part of what you're saying. What else can we do to meet one of another's needs? Comfort. comfort. How do we comfort one another? Is that you, Doug, that said that? What are, other ways we can, what are ways we can comfort one another? When someone is mourning whether their fault or not, to come beside them and help them bear it, lift it, help carry that. So time. I wrote down time. Just being there, giving them time. And I wrote down listening also. So that kind of that ties into what you're saying too, right? Listening. Patience with their growth. Patience. Being patient with a brother or sister. Just being patient with them. That's a tough one sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, time, patience, listening. What are other ways we bear one another's burdens? And hold each other accountable sometimes. Kind of like what Laron was saying this morning. Yeah, what Laron was saying, holding one another accountable. But he was also saying something else along with that holding accountable. What is a, it's a, it's a word we use all the time. And he was doing some of that in his talking with these guys. And there are professionals that do it also. What did you say? Counseling. Counseling. That was the exact word. I got it written down here. What are some other things we do? Jay, you do this because of the, the, the type of work you do. What do we do for people? We actually get, get in there and get dirty, and we do what? Carry out the poop for people. 
But what do we do all that? We help people, right? We help people with manual tasks, don't we? We actually help people. Like if, if people have, uh, yeah, go ahead, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, we, we actually help people with their chores, right? I mean, we, uh, I meant this because I've seen Jay uh, help people with their plumbing, um, uh, you know, and, and electrical. We help people with their electrical. We actually get in there and we, uh, ladies will get, I've seen ladies get in there and say, you know, uh, Cassie just had a baby. And so we get in there, help with meals and we, the actual physical hands-on things that people need. You were going to say something, Greg? Yeah, the, the context of that verse is in, obviously in, in, uh, starts out about if you're caught transgression or snoring. And uh, then he says, keep watch on yourself in the context of sin. And then he says, bear one another's burdens. I, I, I'm, when I see that verse, I'm, I'm where it's at and what he's talking about, uh, my understanding is that, that we, one of the burdens, the way we bear others' burdens is to not be offended because they're human and they are not completely sanctified. And, um, bearing with one another in love is, is how Paul says it in another place. Um, we have an obligation to fulfill the law of Christ with one another. And we see each other, if we know each other well enough, Ronnie, we're going to see the bad side, the, the rough edges on each other. And to extend grace and mercy and not pick people apart. And cover, love covers over sin. And we have to have that attitude toward each other uh, to fulfill the law of Christ. I think that's primarily what this is talking about. That uh, I can keep, keep on going. But no, absolutely. Absolutely. In love. As we, yeah, in love. That we love each other in spite of each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was thinking, too. Similar to what Greg's saying, if we are trying to restore someone who has a transgression, that training restoration process is a burden there. So it's not just you confront them and you're done. But now there's that coaching. You said the word earlier, counseling. That's that. You're you're helping to bear that burden to help this person be trained in overcoming whatever this transgression was so that he's not doing it anymore. So think about the good the story of the good Samaritan, right? He didn't just pick him up and drop him off at the inn. He bore the burden of the expenses all the way back to recovery. Right? And now we're making the application of being caught in a transgression, he would bear the burden all the way back to recovery. You going to say something? Michael I mean, everything you said, and others, yes. But also for me, I guess what's important is that you speak the truth. Speak the truth. Right, that you don't, I mean, obviously in gentleness and love and mercy and kindness and grace, but that you don't forget speaking the truth is very important in people, whatever that situation might be. Some people need to hear that at some point. So we're describing a holistic approach here to someone who has been caught in a transgression, right? Which, which is a whole lot more than a finger point. Amen? And then he says, uh, let's see here, bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. It is in this way 
that we fulfill the law of Christ. Okay? So the law of Christ is this holistic approach to uh, helping our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Now, we have talked a bit about the law of Christ, uh, sort of um, kind of rubbing against it, right? We haven't really delved into it a lot. So I'm going to try to kind of dip my toe into it a little bit, give you a couple of um, definitions, if you will, and we'll see what we can do with those. These are not my own. (laughs) Very little I tell you is my own, because that would bore you to tears. Um, But uh, here's one I, I, uh, I read. Let me give you that. Let's see what we have here. The law of Christ. Often a uh, definition that is used, the law of Christ is the ethical standard of the new covenant. The ethical standard of the new covenant. That is super helpful for you, right? (laughs) Read the the New Testament and then you'll have it. Let me remind you, how many of you remember the theme of the book of Galatians? Remember the theme we went over over and over and over? You got it? Is that what you're thinking? You got it? Tell us what it is. Can you remember? I can't remember. Oh, but you got it. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, um, the law. I can give it to you if that'd be easier. Oh, yeah, that'd be. <laughs> it was like when Jay asked earlier, how many of you know what Ebenezer means? And like, uh, okay, tell me. And then you put your hands down when he asks you to tell us. All right, let's see. Oop, all right, did I get it? There we go. There we go. That's our theme. Commit to Christ, not the Mosaic law, or your future holds division and disaster. Okay, so we can see that playing out now as we've gotten through the book of Galatians, right? Commit to Christ, not the Mosaic law, or your future holds division and disaster. So committing to Christ, right, means then that we are committing to the law of Christ. We are committing to this ethical standard that Christ has laid out for us. If we commit to the Mosaic law, we're not saying, okay, then we're done with thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill. No, we're not going to do those things either. But the committing to the Mosaic law, right, was a covenantal Uh, that particular covenantal approach. In other words, by fulfilling the old, the Mosaic law was a way to gain favor with God. We no longer do that. We find favor with God through Christ. Christ. Amen. So that's why we commit to Christ, because through Christ we have found favor with the Lord. Now, there have been some who have laid out a more extensive uh, definition for the law of Christ, and it can get a little in the weeds. It could certainly take up a complete hour of teaching. I'm going to try to just toss it out here for you so that you can have it. And uh, if, if, if it bores you and you start to nod off, well, just stand up. And since I'm sitting today, you can do the dancing in, uh, in front of your seat. Okay. Is that a deal? All right. Let me try to throw it out there for you. Okay. First of all, the the law of love, the law of love that's found in Romans 13, eight through 10. Anybody want to, Ooh, we have our resident Romans expert with us. Can you, can you remember just what that is? Just the, it's just a few words out of there. Love worketh 
no ill. Well, love worketh no ill, okay, is the basis of that. Love worketh no ill, right? If you, if you, if, you know, towards your neighbor. So if you love your neighbor, you're not going to do what? You're not going to harm them. You're not going to steal. You're certainly not going to put a bullet between their eyes. You're not going to kill them, right? You're not going to covet and all of those things, okay? So the idea being that the, the, uh, the law of Christ consists of five things throughout the New Testament. One is the law of love. Number two is the example of Jesus, okay? Example of Jesus. The idea being is that instead of uh, putting Moses over Jesus, we don't do that anymore, right? We put, who do we put up? Jesus, right? Okay, so the example of Jesus, Philippians 2. Somebody want to think about how that, we look at Philippians 2, just the gist of Philippians 2 through 11 there, or 3 through 11. Let this mind be in you, it was also in Christ Jesus. He took on the form of a what? A servant, right? He was obedient unto death, all right? There's the example of Jesus. All right. Then, of course, the teaching of Jesus. Do you remember the promise that Moses gave in Deuteronomy 18 there? A prophet. And what what did Moses say they were to do? Listen to him. Do what he says do. Right. That, of course, was pointing to Jesus. And then in Matthew 28, Jesus said he had all power and tell everybody to do what he said to do. Okay? All right? A third one would be the teaching of the apostles. Teaching of the apostles. Okay? Why John 14 through 16? I'll give it to you unless you got a, a, want to take a gander at it. I'll, uh, I'll read both chapters. All right. <laughs> Three chapters, brother. Keep up. Okay? That's the whole, where, the, where, where, where the Lord promises that the Holy Spirit will bring to them everything that we need to know, and we got it, in the New Testament epistles. Okay? And then finally, we've talked about this a number of times, the teaching of the whole Bible from, from beginning to end, interpreted in the light of Christ. So, uh, I... I uh, like to read the Psalms morning and evening. And many times one of the psalmists will say something that is clearly applicable to the Old Covenant, but I'll read it in light of the New Covenant. Okay? So there you go. Any thoughts or questions about that? It's more concerned with the inward. Um, obviously there are commands to follow the law of Christ, but it is much more concerned with the inner um, part of the man than the old covenant was. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. Okay. Now let's move into the end of this first paragraph. And as Greg was saying, it's all one paragraph. Michael, would you like to read for us, sir? Sure. Galatians 6, 3 through 5. Thank you, sir. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, but let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, and not in his neighbor. 
for each will have to bear his own work. All right, this is a tough, this can be a tough part of the paragraph, right? So again, I'll repeat, as Greg said, it is all one line of thinking here. It starts off with, we're going to help a brother who's fallen into a transgression. Don't, excuse me, don't get the big head, right? You're bearing their burden and don't get conceited. But then he says, if anyone thinks he is something, there's that conceit again, right? Being tempted with conceit, conceit, thinking he's something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But then it goes on and says, but let each one test his own work. Now I've got to test my own work. And then his reason to boast. Now that's kind of interesting, right? As though you and I are going to boast. So that's where it gets a little bit confusing. To boast will be in himself alone. So now you're going to walk around and boast in yourself alone and not in your neighbor. So I'm not going to boast on my neighbor. That's kind of weird. For each one will have to bear his own load. So now we just started talking about someone else is going to bear my burden or I'm going to bear someone else's burden, but I got to bear my own burden. So the thinking is here, okay, that when Paul uses the word there, boast or to rejoice or to glory, he uses this word, it's kalkema. He uses this word solely when he's talking about future judgment. Okay? And so that's what he's referring to here, future judgment. So I tried to dissect it as others have done. And so what we see is the problem in the very beginning here. He talks about when someone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So the problem, as, as um, Doug pointed out here... Initially, the problem is self-deception. We've gone beyond. We've started helping people, but now we're getting the big head because the problem is self-deception. We've deceived ourselves. The solution is to focus on one's own work. Okay? I need to focus on my own work, what I'm doing. I'm not worried about what Jay's doing. I'm not worried about whether Jay's reading his Bible or not. I'm not worried about whether Jay is spending enough time in prayer or whatever the case may be. The reality then, Paul is pointing out, is that we stand alone in judgment. Okay? So I think that's what Paul's emphasis here is. He's not saying that we bear our own burden because we don't bear our own burden in this life. We bear one another's burden. When we fall, we lift one another up. When we hurt, when I'm going through a hard time, many of you come to my aid. I try to come to your aid. Okay? Paul's point is that when it when it comes to judgment time, you do stand alone. All right. This makes me think of uh, the uh, the principle that Jesus sets up: by the standard you measure, it will be measured against you. Um, like for instance, and and the uh, the person who doesn't give forgiveness freely is not forgiven. That kind of stuff. And it kind of reminds me of like, oh, the person who thinks he's so high and mighty? Really? Well, God's going to judge you by that standard and see if you work. Excellent. Yeah. He also says, for example, that word boast is used uh, in 2 Corinthians 1, 13 and 14. He says, for we are not writing to any, to you anything other than what you read and understand. And I hope you will fully understand just as you did partially understand us. And here's the part 
that on the day of our Lord Jesus, you will boast of us and we will boast of you. Again, pointing to the future, um, how that uh, we do stand alone and our boast will be in Christ, of course, and our own works will stand by themselves. Any other questions about that particular? We got to one. We've gotten to one paragraph. Yes, sir. I guess uh, maybe this is a little bit deep, but the reality that we're going to stand before God and our righteousness is not, and it's going to be Christ. Amen. But then there's also this judging of our works. Um, how are both of those things true? That's an excellent point, isn't it? I wish I had thought about that before I started teaching this lesson. Well, he does in uh, Corinthians, I think, where he talks about every man's work will be tried with fire, some will be hay, stubble, straw, and then it will be tested. And then what remains will be the only thing that stands, the remains standing will be what's in Christ. Is that ringing a bell? It's ringing a bell. Um, whether that's talking about whether that's talking about uh, all of us or that that particular text, there are other verses that talk about works. Whether that particular text is talking about um, the, these uh, master uh, what are they call master builders. Master builders are not. Um, but I, but I uh, I take your point. When I read this, it, it is frightening. I start to think about the reality of, of having judgment for everything I've done and not done with no possibility of obfuscation or excusing. But then I remember that Jesus said the most important thing is to abide with him in Christ, to abide in Christ, to be abiding, to be united with him. Uh, Jesus said that in John 15. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. And I just want to encourage all of you guys and, and myself here at the same time that what God is calling us to do, that the great work that we have as believers is to believe what he says and to believe that we are accepted in Christ and to be in fellowship with Him, even as we're listening to this sermon, even as we're interacting with each other in, in, in dinner today, as we're going to the bathroom. I mean, we need to focus our lives, our, our work, our great work that we've been judged is, how earnestly did we seek to be friends with our God? And uh, to me, that's comforting. And out of, Jesus said that, that all your good deeds come only out of your moments <laughs> that we have where we're abiding with Him. Everything else is going to be thrown away and burned up. So the goal is not to do good works. The goal is to be abiding. And out of that abiding, we can be sure that the kingdom of God will flow without us doing anything without us cranking it out. And I just want to encourage you guys with that. Absolutely. So I take it this text is telling us or warning us away from the idea, uh, not that our boast is just in us, 
uh, because we are in Christ, I take it that the text is leading us away from the uh, judgment of our brothers and sisters. Not that the focus should be, as you are pointing out, not that the focus should be on our works, but that we stand alone at judgment. In other words, we won't be there standing there with all of us and us going, what about him, Lord? What about him, Lord? Sort of like what Peter was doing uh, when the, the resurrected Lord, when he was asking about John. Again, not, n- not that this the chapter at all is pointing uh, to a time of judgment where we have to stand there and go, oh, there was that time, Lord, I'm so, so sorry. Uh, because uh, I, I live and breathe in Christ, abiding in Christ under the blood of Christ. Uh, so I think we've kind of gotten off the path there in respect to what the actual text is pointing to. I don't think this text is a text in respect necessarily to the judgment uh, uh, of the final judgment where we're all going to be breathing deeply and worried sick, okay? Uh, All of us will have nothing but Christ to point to. None of us will have achieved enough to be able to uh, do anything but to claim Christ and Christ alone. The point that Paul is making here is that um, when a brother falls or is grabbed by any transgression, the best we can do is to restore that one in the spirit of gentleness. And the worst that we can do is be deceived in thinking that we have done anything. And when we do get in any kind of uh, get a wild hair thinking we've accomplished anything, what we need to do is start thinking instead of them, start worrying about your own business like your parents told you when when you were a kid. Okay? Now the plan was to move into Galatians 6, 6 through 10, but you folks had so many wonderful and fantastic things to say. We don't have time to do that. So I appreciate the input so very, very much. This message was produced by the New Testament Reformation Fellowship, reforming today's church with New Testament church practices. Permission is hereby granted for you to reproduce this message. You can find us on the web at www.ntrf.org. May God bless you as you seek to follow Him in complete obedience to His Word. May your faith in the Lord Jesus be strengthened and your daily walk with Him deepened.